1: How about Keontae Johnson and Dean Wade being back in town, huh? There's put out there on social media that uh, Keontae with a no look pass to Dean Wolf for the bucket as uh, they're playing with the uh, current team right now. I, you know, I'd rather do twenty minutes on that than at this point conference realignment. I'm at the point now where I'm like just sick. Of talking about conference realignment.
0: You want to give it the John Boy baseball argument type breakdown. Have you seen what he does with, no. say, umpire fights? Had like three oh, and a half. Okay. Yeah. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. yeah. And the pretty good stuff. You could do that on one, you know, 20 second play of basketball.
1: K State women's basketball uh, earlier today put out a video of the players doing a start bench cut with Taylor Swift, Drake, and Zach Bryan, and Keontae Johnson makes a cameo. the The answers were a wide variety. First of all, I've never heard of Zach Bryan. I was like, "Isn't that supposed to, like Zach Brown? Zach Brown band? No, Zach Bryan. I, I have no idea who that is. So I cut him. Believe it or not, I'm starting Taylor Swift." I have been impressed with her tour, and her popularity is incredibly through the roof. So much she can't have concerts where there's a roof half the time. Meanwhile, I'm going to bench Drake. I'm not a Drake fan. I'm not really a T-Swift music fan either, but guys, start one, got to bench one. Welcome to the game. Mitch Fortner and Troy Coverdale, just us two today. The phone number is 537-1350. Uh, we'll have a Jabroni of the week in hour number one. Plus, I want to get to uh, Deuce Vaughn as well here in hour number one, and then of course, conference realignment. George Klyovkov. <laughs> I, I I was thinking <laughs> about this earlier today. As like, I, I wanted to make the comparison. As like, is he the Michael Scott of oh of conference commissioners? But I was like, well, yes, Michael bo- Michael Scott was a bad boss, but at least he could sell something. He could give a company that really doesn't have any value that's tanking on Wall Street can still make a sell and be the most profitable branch for Dunder Mifflin. George Klyovkov is a bad leader, and he's having a tough time selling a product. A a product, by the way, that's bleeding. Well, earlier today, as we talked about yesterday... Old George, Georgie boy, presented, from what it sounds like, several options on what could be the new TV rights deal moving forward for most likely a short period of time. It wouldn't be a long deal, it would be a short deal of what the Pac-12 could expect to start once the current deal is up next year in July. So here are the details that have been reported. It's been reported all over the place. I mean, I'm not going to start shouting out media members. I'm just going to tell you what it is. So out of the several options presented, the most popular one, the one that came out as the leader, is the one we talked about yesterday. And that has to do with Apple+. Plus. This would be a streaming majority deal with a minor in maybe a game here or there. On whatever i don't know if it would be espn if it'd be fox it'd be another streaming site or whatever it would be majority apple streaming so okay so let's pretend that does go through that would obviously be uh something we have never dealt with before in college athletics a streaming majority deal i know i know major league baseball is put in a big streaming deal now and you know, NFL, with its NFL game package, now is, has a big, is a big streaming part of YouTube TV.
0: Let's qualify that. We've never done that with Power 5 conferences. Smaller conferences are predominantly streaming only. But basically, they're getting a deal the equivalent of the Big Sky Conference at this point.
1: There wasn't a dollar amount thrown out in this latest update. But we had heard yesterday it would sound like 20 million per school. Oof. But there is, uh, there, there is a catch here with this Apple TV deal. So, first of all, Apple Plus, you have to buy a subscription. I think it's seven or eight bucks. And then on top of that, there would be a separate package that you would have to pay for separately for the Pac 12 games. So, not only are you paying the seven bucks, eight bucks a month, and then whatever the taxes are. Then you're going to pay a little bit more money, and I don't know what that is. This detail was not given for Pac 12 games. And I'm thinking, okay, George Klyovkov, he's finally in an arena he's familiar with, and that is streaming. Because for a cup of coffee, he was working for Hulu. But this was back when, you know, the Netflixes and the Hulus, and I think Hulu did this, they were, they were shipping out the DVDs. You would order the DVDs online if you wanted Lost season four. You got the DVDs to your house. Streaming was starting to get going once he left Hulu, and those companies started finally going the streaming route. And you saw less and less DVDs. But he's a Hulu guy. And he used to work for NBC Universal. I mean, he—you would think this guy would know more about TV stuff and how to make a deal. But it's been a while since he's truly been you know, in the trenches of these companies and making executive deals, big deals for these companies. It's been a long time. So not only would you have to pay extra money for the Pac-12 network, they're also telling these Pac-12 80s and presidents that, okay, 20 million is, that's just where we're starting. If subscription numbers get to a certain number high number then maybe we could compete and get money like what the big 12 is going to get in year one which is around an average of 32 million dollars per school and i had to ask troy about this before we got in here larry scott did this sound familiar to you with what larry scott did with the pac-12 network in the pitch about subscription numbers and the potential money that could come from that,
0: does that sound familiar to you? It does not because I believe that he was leaning more towards doing it just as a straight over-the-top package where it would be along the lines of you subscribe the one time to that package and that was going to be their money.
1: But, okay. Because I had thought previously Larry Scott was like, if we get enough eyeballs on this and enough subscriptions that's more money towards the schools okay so maybe there is a difference there but there is a bit of similarity as well in my opinion and that is again i think we're misjudging the market you have to have if you're going this route and i would be shocked if there are as many members if any at all of the pac-12 other than Kirk Scholes. Washington State, whoever's in charge at Oregon State, they really have no other option would be impressed and happy with this possibility. Because once again, there is an opportunity, is like, yeah, incentives, or it's like a bonus. If it gets enough streaming numbers, more money in your pocket. But again, this this is a conference on the West Coast, all and mostly in the Western time zone. And like who you have to you have to hope that to get those subscription numbers up, you can't just rely on the fan bases in the Pac twelve. You're gonna have to have a very strong number outside of your market. And who honestly and maybe I'm wrong, but is there gonna be a lot of bars on the East Coast in the Midwest? that are going to go that far and pick up Apple TV so they can start streaming Pac-12 games? Is there a lot of people in Big 12 country that would be interested in going that far, paying an extra 10 15 bucks a month so you can watch Oregon State and Washington State play Pac-12 after dark? <laughs> Is there that many people that would be willing to pay that money to watch an extra game or two on a Saturday night... After you've probably already watched a marathon of college football. I doubt it. And it's not like the Pac-12 has the most passionate fan bases in college athletics. The most proud fan bases in college athletics. And also a bummer for like those programs that are good. And have the opportunity here and there to have like a Heisman Trophy candidate. Good luck promoting your Heisman Trophy player when nobody's watching your games and nobody wants to buy Apple Plus to watch your games. This doesn't – I know George Klyovkov had to bring something to the table, and it had to happen fast. And George said a week and a half ago, the longer we wait – let me see if I have the quote here. I know I don't have the clip ready to go, but let's see if I have the quote here. I don't have the exact quote, but he basically said the longer the league waits, their options are going to be better. They could have had this deal six months ago if they really wanted to. It's the same deal, essentially, as they've had on the table for a while. Streaming has been on the table, yeah. I know, for months. And there was also other options, and this was the best one. What a – man. There's an Arizona Board of Regents meeting later on today. It actually starts at 5.30. Um, I was getting asked on Twitter earlier today if if it's going to be streamed. Well, I think like the first five minutes is going to be streamed. Uh, But I was looking at the Arizona Board of Regents website uh, right before I came in. I was trying to get more clear uh, details on that. Because the Board of Regents are going to meet at 5.30. And that's not just Arizona. That's Arizona State. That's Northern Arizona. Um, And the, I guess the outline of the meeting, that wasn't published. Uh, You would assume conference realignment is going to be a pretty major topic. It's going to be a 30-minute meeting. They're going to be done at 6 o'clock. But it's expected that there won't be a decision made. And I'm like, man, at this point, what are you waiting on? Arizona has to hope that either Arizona State's willing to go with them or willing to vote in their favor and let them go without Arizona State. You just need a majority, but also Northern Arizona is involved, and what is everybody thinking? Can Arizona get through that? Arizona's obviously, and we've known this the last 24 hours, that they're right now the top candidate. Now, they're not alone. Arizona State and Utah, if Brett Yormark had its way, It'd be the rest of the four corner schools coming in. That'd be the big goal. Realistic goal. Um, but just not sure how realistic it is right now. Uh, Utah, is, Utah is a pain in the butt. Arizona State, I'm not even sure if if they're saying anything. I, I haven't really seen anything. But there's a, Arizona seems like a likely candidate, so... We'll see. I hope, you know, Brett Yormark has, not Brett Yormark, George Klyovkov, zero charisma. He would have to, just to get my attention, if I was in that meeting, I mean, I know the way I feel. You know, I'm halfway out the door if I'm at this meeting. George is going to need sirens, a light show, probably a... uh, a slideshow of like the Caribbean playing, maybe Kokomo playing in the background. <laughs> what does George do? Is he, is he dressed up as Steve Jobs and he starts chucking iPhones at people to get their attention about the Apple move potentially to make it sound like a cool day, day or cool deal? He's, I don't think he's a salesman. He's not a showy salesman. He's a boring salesman that's not getting the job done. This is not a good deal in my opinion. What do you think? I haven't heard from you.
0: No, it is not. I I was just digging through some of the aftermath of Larry Scott because I was looking up your question regarding the Pac-12 and the idea of how much of it was streaming and that. He really had it set in his mind that there was going to be this huge payday coming up next year. Well, and maybe... It's, it's unreal. Is the
1: strategy for George right now just trying to buy some time? That's a big part of it. Just trying to buy some time, at least have something on the table. And again, if this deal were to go through, there's no way it's a long-term deal. There's not a chance it's a long-term deal. And I don't know. I I don't know if I could give you an exact number, a couple of years, maybe 3 or 4 years, I think at the most, you maybe five. Maybe I don't think you could even go that far with the deal this low. But maybe you earn the trust of the other schools, and you're like, listen, at least we got this for now. This will buy us some time, get us rolling in conference realignment, bring some programs into the Pac-12 that will hopefully – he would not use the word hopefully. He said he would say would add to the value of the Pac-12 – And we go from there and we get ready to negotiate with a stronger army. And hopefully, draw a better deal from not just a majority streaming service. That has to be the plan, right? I would think he's at least that smart. But it was the day before PAC 12 Media Day that he was supposed to present some numbers, and there were no numbers to be presented. Colorado said, that's it. We're done. We're out. Would this be the final straw for anybody else? Or does $20 million, and if streaming numbers are good enough, you could get more money out of that, worth sticking around for another handful of
0: years? Or does this become just a one-year deal even to bide time? Well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, I started throwing out the numbers. I was like, there's no way you could.
1: But if you're Apple –
0: Oh if you're apple is, is a
1: year worth your time hmm just a one year deal I mean this isn't this isn't a backup running back type of deal trying to be made. This is a multi million dollar deal that both sides are trying to make. I mean Apple's wanting to make some money too sure and they it, just the one-year deal. I don't think I'd be interested in that if I was Apple. I'd i would I'd want at least a couple of years, two or three years of a commitment to try to make some money. Because they're also making an investment. They want enough time to make some money back on their investment. If they don't make it on that first year, at least they got more time.
0: See what I'm saying? Does that make sense? It does. Here's the other thing, though, that becomes a question at play. Will it really matter in the day and age of the college football playoff expanding to 12? No idea. I mean, that's the, that is a wild card to this. For all of our discussion about what conference everybody winds up in, at this point you know that conference champions are going to have automatic berths. From there what plays out I mean, at least the uh the,
1: everybody in the conference will get a free subscription valid get a free subscription maybe a free iPhone <laughs> iPad <laughs> those iPhones iPads they're not cheap anymore all right let's take a break when do we come back um we'll get more on this uh coming up at five ten uh more on the potential pac 12 deal is Conference realignment continues, and again, I'm ready to be done with it. (laughs) I'm ready for decisions to be made because we're getting close to college football, and I just want to be able to, to enjoy college football. That starts in what? We're 25 days or something like that from college football. I'm just ready to sit back and enjoy it. Let's talk about Deuce Vaughn because coming up next, he is on the verge of making NFL history. It's coming up next on the game. Somebody on Twitter sharing uh, the finish to the, I think it was 2015 when BYU went up to Lincoln and won on a Hail Mary to beat Nebraska. They were down one on the final play. That's like a Mitch Fortner, teams I hate the most war. Nebraska versus BYU. I want them both to lose. Welcome back to the game. Mitch Fortner and Troy Coverdale. The phone number is 537-1350. And uh, coming up here in, uh, a well later in the hour, getting pretty close to it, the latest jabroni of the week. It will not be who you expect, believe it or not. Uh, meanwhile, coming up in hour number two, we do have a number one song and some ask if anything hosted by our very own Troy Coverdale. I wanted to get to Deuce Vaughn because – Deuce Vaughn is oohing and on the Dallas Cowboy fans that made it out to California for training camp. Woo-wee. I haven't used that in a long time. Woo-wee. Oxnard, California, by the way, is where uh, the Dallas Cowboys have their training camp. So Deuce was, like, in a a compliment. Like, I kind of took it as a compliment for him, was like – compared to a toddler weaving and wait, you know, weaving through a varsity football team and making it look easy because he's 5'5". He's the shortest player in the last 20 years when it comes to the NFL Combine. He was, of course, by far the shortest player drafted in this past April's NFL draft. Deuce Vaughn could be making NFL history
0: pretty shortly. And
1: here's what I mean by that.
0: No pun intended. shortly good catch thank you good catch uh
1: well no no pun intended okay you're on the right track uh because i i pulled up earlier today because i did this was marquise noel marquise noel 5'7 where is he when it comes to the shortest players in nba history Turns out he's tied for the fourth shortest player in NBA history once he makes it onto the court officially with the Toronto Raptors. But what about Deuce Vaughn? Where does he come into play when it comes to the shortest players in NFL history? Well, believe it or not, he can make some history here in just a little bit. Now, when it comes to the Cowboys, Deuce would be the shortest Cowboy in history by three inches. Cole Beasley is the shortest Cowboy all time at 5'8". Wow. I did not expect that name. Cole Beasley, you know what? I kind of liked him. Kind of liked him when he was a Dallas Cowboy. Um, the second shortest right now at training camp is Cavante Turpin, the former TCU Horn Frog, who's five nine. But believe it or not, the person that is making more highlight plays and making the fans ooh and awe ah, more than anybody else at Cowboys training camp is Deuce Vaughn, especially the last five days. I am seeing clips of him every day making an impressive play. Now, I will say, I mean, they just put on pads, they put on full shells just a few days ago. But I've seen now two videos from today of Deuce in full pads making impressive plays. Now, that's one part of it. There's another part of this where, you know, Deuce's chances of making the 53 man became much greater. And that's because it wasn't too long ago one of the running backs for the Cowboys on their training camp roster, Ronald Jones, who played for the Chiefs last year. He was suspended for the first two games of the regular season for violating the NFL's performance-enhancing drug policy. Now, I saw a uh, a projected depth chart for the Cowboys, and and Ronald Jones, he came in as third string. You have Tony Pollard, who's going to be first string, no doubt about that. You have Malik Davis who is going to probably be second string. That's my projection. And then you have Rico uh, Dowdle, who played a little bit for the Cowboys last year. But it's all like, when it comes to experience, it's not a ton of experience behind Tony Pollard. So Deuce is already competitive there. And now a chance to reach the four deep for the Cowboys is much greater now for Deuce Vaughn now that Ronald Jones is going to miss the first two games. That's going to be a an opportunity for Deuce Vaughn. And when it comes to professional sports, I mean, it doesn't matter really what sport you look at. There's not a whole lot of five five guys. Five six guys are rare. The only one I can think of that is a big deal is Jose Altuve for the Houston Astros. So, where does Deuce Vaughn fall in the pecking order once he has his first official snap in the NFL? Where does he rank on the shortest players in NFL history? And to me, this was a very interesting list. If you want to get to the top 10, you have to first start at guys that are 5'7". And when it comes to 9 and 10 of the shortest players ever, I think it's a couple of names you might recognize. Maurice Jones-Drew, who used to play for the Jacksonville Jaguars, 5'7". Pretty productive running back for his few years. Three-year stretch where he played well. And then you have Andrew Hawkins, who played about eight years in the NFL, mostly with the Cleveland Browns. He didn't get into the NFL actually until he was 25. Wow. And then after nine and ten, you got to go to five-six players. In the history of the NFL, there were five 5'6 players. Tariq Cohen of the Bears. Uh, Jaquees Rogers, am I saying that name right, from the Falcons? Yes. J.J. Taylor, who is actually still a New England Patriot. Hakeem Grant, who is currently a Brown. And then, of course, Darren Sproles. Darren Sproles, one of the shortest players, top 10 in NFL history. And I'm not going to give you a name better in this list than Darren Sproles. Because, heck, at the end of the day, when it comes to all-purpose yards, there's like only five guys, four guys that were better than him all time in the NFL. Darren Sproles and Deuce Vaughn have very similar tracks to playing in the NFL. Returning kicks. Incredible in the passing game, which he was making passing play plays (laughs) or highlights earlier today. And Darren Sproles, of course, would run the ball. And then... There's three spots left for the shortest players all time in NFL history. We now go to 5 5. Trendon Holloway was a Denver Bronco. I don't know if that's a name you remember, Troy. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 2010 sixth round pick. As a matter of fact, in 2012, he led the NFL with punt return yards. And then Deuce Vaughn. There was only one player all time that was shorter than deuce vaughn you have to go all the way back to 1929 to find this player he played for the staten island stapletons (laughs) good for them to find enough open real estate on staten island to have a, a, a football stadium that's great Now, he was recognized seven decades after his one season of playing in the NFL with the Guinness Book of World Records, shortest man ever play in the league. Five feet and one half inch. Five feet, 0.5 inches tall. The shortest player in NFL history, Deuce Vaughn comes in at number two. Well, tied with Trendon Holloway, but you get what I'm saying. He and Trendon Holloway are the shortest players to play in the NFL since 1929. Deuce Vaughn is never probably going to be able to escape if it comes to just the media talking about him, broadcast, TV broadcast. As soon as he gets his first touch, they're going to be like, Oh boy, this guy's 5'5". His dad's on the staff. A tear jerking moment during the 2023 NFL draft. Until he has for sure locked in his Hall of Fame career. That's going to be the story of Deuce Vaughn. That he's five five. And Deuce, let me tell you something. I'm with you, man. I hear it all the time how short I am. People are like, you got some short legs. I'm aware, jerk. I'm aware that I'm short. Deuce Vaughn's way more of a baller than any of us have ever been. Soon we'll find out he made the 53 man roster, and it's just a, a season we got to wait for Deuce Vaughn to be a Super Bowl champion. When we come back, let's get to my newest jabroni of the week after these words.
0: Know your role and shut your mouth, you jabroni. You jabronis hit the jackpot. The Hollywood blonde jabroni, Hulk Hogan. How is this jabroni's name? Jabroni
1: of the week Alright, here we go, it's time to name a new Jabroni of the week First, we will go through three dishonorable mentions And then we will culminate with my Jabroni of the week So let's get started No, there will be no Jim See, I'll just tell you that right now That, that, is, a, uh, that is a bridge currently being burnt um, But um, we'll see if the, the uh, relationship gets salvaged uh, meanwhile, first dishonorable mention is going to go to former Packers linebacker Jonathan Garvin. He was a seventh-round pick by the Packers in 2020, and he's been with the team now for three seasons, and during his time with the Packers, you know he contributed here and there, played in 38 games, 32 tackles, had a sack in there as well. Friday was his 24th birthday. Big day for him. He's in Green Bay training camp trying to get another season with the Packers. Green Bay even wished him happy birthday on social media. On official Green Bay Packers social media. Three hours later, they cut him. On his birthday. Man, I tell you what, great example of how cutthroat the business can be. Dang. It's cutthroat, but they're gonna do what they gotta do. I think somebody from the Packers even said, like, hey, this is just this is the, this is the business. Just another day. It's not our fault. You were born in late July when the football business is moving and shaking. Oh, ouch. I was born in the middle of August. Middle of August was always when school was getting ready to start. My birthday always fell on first day of school or the day before first day of school or moving off to college. I, I spent my 21st birthday moving to Concordia. Who wants to spend their 21st birthday moving to Concordia, Kansas? But anyway.
0: I spent my 21st birthday at a Manhattan High football f- scrimmage and then held the party after. Working? You know it. My, my party, no
1: joke. So out of my group of friends, I was the only one 21. So we get to Concordia. I get moved in. My roommate's there who I've been friends with forever. Still friends to this day. And then... Another friend from Concordia stops by like, hey, hey, let's go out to eat. We go to Pizza Hut. My first legal drink was in the Concordia Pizza Hut, and it was bought by a friend that's not 21. (gasps) And it was a Coors Light, bottle of Coors Light that was like 325. Anyway, all right, my (laughs) second dishonorable mention. Interesting story here. I'm going to go with Ron Bell and Jennifer Pinley. You don't know who they are, but I'm about to tell you. So, he's an Arizona man, and she's like this girlfriend of his, right? Well, he, as in Ron Bell, accused former Georgia Tech men's basketball player, or a basketball coach, oh, rather, man. Josh Pastner, this of assaulting her. So, the government said Bell, who had been Pastner's friend for a long time, admitted uh, that he recruited a security guard who were Georgia Tech basketball games, to falsely claim that he witnessed Passner assault his girlfriend. Bell had promised the security guard to share of what he alleged would be a $20 million lawsuit or a settlement. Well, it turns out the way they got caught is the security guard, he turned face, and oh. rat, ratted them out. Georgia Tech and the police he recanted his statement and said no this is all a screw job they're just trying to devalue his name and uh, get money out of Georgia Tech well since they got caught they as in Ron Bell and Jennifer Pinley, were both arrested they were uh, I, I should say Ron Bell was officially sentenced this week he was sentenced to 33 months in federal prison, and then after he gets out, he is going to have to uh, also have three years of supervised release. Pinley, who pleaded guilty to one count of conspiracy to commit extortion, will be uh, sentenced on August 9th.
0: Had you heard about that story previously? I had. I had. I knew that the allegations had been made, and I knew that they had found that there wasn't anything that held up
1: i didn't remember that story i didn't remember it or it didn't really ring a bell and i saw the the article pop up over the weekend and i had never heard of that story really until then so i was like this is Jerome of the week material all right my last dishonorable mention george kleovkov is now the new scott frost scott frost was a repeat offender Every week, every time he wore a hoodie to a game, dishonorable mention, at the, le- at the least, dishonorable mention. Every week that we do not have a TV deal or another program jumps to the Big 12, every week, George is going to be brought up. I think at this point he deserves it. George Klyovkov, he lost Colorado this week. Bad TV deal in the works. Probably more to come. Arizona border regents are visiting. Uh, they're going to start a meeting here in about 38 minutes. It might get a lot worse for the Pac 12. So, George Kliafkov is my last dishonorable mention. And then finally, what could top all that? My Jerony of the Week is going to be former Auburn cheerleader, Lindsey Shiver. Former. Former Auburn cheerleader. Lindsay Shiver. Here's the story. So, back in the day, she met this handsome, young, long snapper by the name of Robert Shiver. And they were inseparable. They were in college together between uh, from 2006 to 2008. They end up getting married. They have a big old family. Happily ever after. Well, they also have a property in the Bahamas. And they're all happy. They're all doing well. And then all of a sudden... She meets a lover in the Bahamas. He finds out. He files for divorce. Story doesn't end there. Because this week, she was arrested. But what was she arrested for? The Bahamas Court News was the first to report this arrest, they say that while the police was investigating a break-in at the local bar there in the Bahamas, police came across the victim's phone and started reading through text messages. Well, some of those text messages were with Miss Lindsay Shiver. What they found out through those texts was that old Lindsay was trying to hire this lover, and another person, a third party, to kill her husband. Turns out the, uh, the suspect for this break-in at a bar was the lover. They read the text messages and guess what? was it long after, she is arrested and charged for plotting to kill her husband. Her estranged husband. She's facing a lot of time. A lot of time in prison. Her first court hearing is coming up on October 5th.
0: Not just cheerleader, by the way. She's the former Miss Houston County oh my in Alabama. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> didn't realize we're
1: talking about the former Miss Houston County.
0: How many people in that county? Literally, that is the in the first five words of one of the TV stations in Alabama's report on this.
1: Well, we got to find out more about Houston County, Alabama. Oh, uh, population over one hundred and seven thousand. Let's see if there's any uh, big cities in there. Uh, Let's—I don't—I'm uh, not, I'm not recognizing any of them. They're, they border the Panhandle of Florida. The the Florida Panhandle can be a bit messy. They have the worst Southern accent. It is—it's pretty hillbilly, like it's very uh, like lake house hillbilly. If that makes sense. Okay. Oh, well, Tallahassee's also in the panhandle, but I'm talking like deep panhandle. Um, yeah, they're right there in the nor- the uh, southeast corner of Alabama is where she's from. All right. So, again, my, for- my uh, jabroni of the week is former Auburn cheerleader, Lindsay Shiver. She's in some big trouble. All right. Let's go ahead and wrap up the first hour here on the game. Coming up in hour number two, we'll revisit uh, the latest details. George Kleofkoff. Visiting with the 80s and the presidents of the Pac-12, he had a number of deals. There is a uh, leader of the Pac, but is it any good? Is it what the Pac-12 wants? Is more teams about to bounce? Are people going to pay for this thing because it's streaming? We'll go over that. Plus, we do have a number one song of the day and ask us anything.